This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, do you have an idea for a podcast but don't know where to start? Or do you have an already existing podcast that you want to take to the next level? Well, check out WeKnowPodcasting.com. From concept development to theme music to editing to logos, WeKnowPodcasting.com is a one-stop shop for all things pod. Don't hesitate to hit us up. We're very nice. We're here to... Entertain you, we'll sing your songs for good times, the best times. You can't go wrong. We'll two step, a new step, it won't be long. When the Dixieland is up playing, soon you'll be swaying, so come on, sing along. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another wonderful episode of Before My Time. This episode I am extremely excited about because we have none other than our own producer, Matt Kelly, on as our special guest. Well, I mean, Matt, you're like kind of always on, um, which I love, but this like, (laughs) let's be real. But this one we really get to like, this is your episode because we are talking about The Muppet Show. And I don't know anybody on this planet who loves The Muppet Show more than you do. Well, thank you. And I was very strategic with this pick of uh, where the timing fell for this. Um, So I have a shameless plug right out the gate on this episode, because not only do we talk about The Muppet Show pretty deeply on this episode, but also if you go to the Geekscape YouTube channel, there will be a video live, probably by the time you're listening to this, that is the top 10 Muppet Show musical performances. Oh, hey. No, super excited about this. The Muppets obviously have shaped your life. They very much shaped my life. And I believe this episode's going to drop after Halloween, but I haven't told you this yet, Matt. I'm going to be Kermit the Frog for Halloween. What? I'm going to pretend that you're doing that in honor of me. This one's for you. (laughs) It's going to be great. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Let's, um, on that note, let's dive into it. Yay! Okay, Matt, let's get started with The Muppet Show! Yay! Yay! 
Just the best intro. So I used to have a recording of the Muppet Show theme song, which is not a shocker. I have so much Muppet music on my computer, but I didn't realize that they slightly changed the theme song to the Muppet Show every season. Oh, did they really? Um, in, In very tiny ways. So my question is this. In your version of the Muppet Show theme song, Yes. When you're thinking about it, does Statler and Waldorf sing anything? The the two old men in the balcony. Yes, at the very end. Okay. Because there's some versions where it's like Fozzie just comes out and sings, does a bad joke. And then like the next season, it's like Kermit like, to introduce our guest star, that's what I'm here to do. So it really makes me happy to introduce to you. And then he'll say like whoever the guest star is. But by the last season, that part was Statler and Waldorf. And that's the version that I've always known, which was, uh, okay. why do we always come here? I, I guess, guess we'll, we'll never, never know. know. Yeah, it's like some kind of torture to have to watch the show. So, <laughs> like, bum, bum. Yeah, that's what I know. <laughs> yeah. I was like, maybe this is just like from an album recording. But Disney Plus added the full series on on their streaming service with like two episodes I don't think are on there um, for different reasons. Oh, excuse but, me. Right now, I'm going to have to end this podcast while I go grab a bottle of wine and binge watch everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, I own the first three seasons on DVD and we'll, we'll dive into that. But seasons four and five never got a DVD release for some reason. So this was the first time I was ever able to watch those seasons and that's when I was like, oh, finally, season five, Statler and Waldorf sing that part in the theme song. I wonder if that's like that part of the theme, everything else that they've used it in, be it future movies when they refer to it or blah, blah, blah. Maybe because that was the end of it. That's the one that stuck forever. Yeah. It's such a weird show. It's such a weird, brilliant idea for a show, though, of like an old vaudeville variety show hosted by Muppets. <laughs> it's it's fucking brilliant. It's, yeah. Yeah, it is. When were the Muppets introduced to you? I genuinely have had the Muppets in my life for so long that I think it was just always there. Like, I have a mm-hmm. stuffed Kermit doll that I've had since I was one Aww. that I still take with me everywhere. Like, everywhere I've lived, that Kermit stuffed animal has gone with me. I can't find my Kermie. Side note, that just recalled. I was like, where the hell is my Kermit? I think he's in the attic. <laughs> so like that was like one of my favorite toys as a kid. Like I would hold on to that doll. My grandfather played banjo. My uncle does impressions and he does a really good Kermit the Frog. So like I just always grew up with the Muppets being a thing that existed in my world. So I I, I can tell you when they re-entered my life, but I can't tell you when they first appeared. Yeah. You know, that's it's funny. That's the same for me. Like, I, they were just always there. Like, yeah. I grew up with the movies, Muppet Babies. I watched religiously. Exactly. I grew up on Muppet Babies for sure. TGIF was a huge thing for me growing up. So mm-hmm. for one year, TGIF had Muppets Tonight, which never really, like, it hasn't gotten much of a release beyond the fact that it aired on TGIF, and you can find some, like, snippets of it on online. But really, it was the death of my grandfather that re-added the Muppets into my life. Because, like I said, he played banjo, and him and my uncle would do Rainbow Connection all the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you get older. I'm in high school. I'm not really thinking about the Muppets. And then, like, out of nowhere, sideswipe, grandfather dies. You know, I won't say unexpectedly, but, like, he got diagnosed with cancer and it was very aggressive. And in a matter of a couple months, he was gone type situation. Mm. And I remember getting ready for his funeral 
and turning on the TV and the beginning of the Muppet movie was on where Rainbow Connection came on. And it was like, you know, you I I feel like you always have those moments where you feel like this isn't a coincidence, you know, like this. And and that was one of the first times that that really felt like something from the other side was sending a comfort to me. And I have been a diehard Muppets fan since that moment. Oh, that's so cool. That kind of reignited that spark. Like the the Rainbow Connection is to this day still my favorite song of all time. Mm -hmm. I think it's just a beautifully written song. I think that it's a much deeper song than people realize. The Muppets Um, in general are a lot deeper than people realize. Yeah, I, I think that there's a lot that you can extrapolate from someone on who their favorite Muppet is. I once did an article for Geekscape that was like, what your favorite Muppet says about you. And it was kind of like, almost like, in a weird way, like kind of like, fuck your Zodiac sign, like, tell me who your favorite Muppet <laughs> is, and I'll be able to like, know if you're like a person I want to be around type, type attitude. But yeah, I just, I love this whole world of the Muppets. My first big break in writing at all was through an article I wrote for Geekscape about Jim Henson that like got on the front page of IMDb and like oh, that's awesome. did insane numbers. It did like something like 10, 20,000 reads in the first day. Like it's, wow. it's still like the biggest thing I've ever written. Oh man, that's so awesome. Like the Muppets. I mean, I knew how big of a fan you were, but how close and almost like emotionally tied to big events in your life i remember we were having a conversation yesterday off the air about like walking away from from you know when you're when you're away from home and like the discomfort and the scariness that can come from that and i remember i was away from all of my friends and family i was living in los angeles i had one friend this guy nellis who lived in uh venice beach And it was Thanksgiving and he was like, hey, man, I know you've got nowhere to go for Thanksgiving. Drive out to Venice. Stay at my house for the night. We're going to go to my buddy's place for Thanksgiving. And then we'll go to the movies and we'll see the Muppets movie with Jason Segel because it just come out that weekend. And I mean, as if I couldn't love the Muppets enough, it was like, I'm so alone. I feel so separated from all of these people. And to just like sit in a theater and watch like a getting the gang all back together type movie with like Mm -hmm. these characters that have been such a comfort to me for my entire life. It was really nice. And it was at that point, I already knew I was moving back home at Christmas time. Mm -hmm. So it was also kind of like, hey, you've only got a couple more weeks. It's going to be okay. Yeah, you're going to be okay. Just get through these next couple weeks and go home and be back with like the people that you are clearly missing so dearly. And, And the Muppet Show is interesting in the fact that like the Muppet Show doesn't have a lot of that. Like, if I wanted to talk about like the stuff that really gets to me and breaks my heart and makes me cry, we could talk about the Muppet movie on a separate episode. But like, the Muppet show is so much just about like a gag a minute. You know what I mean? Like it is mm-hmm. just. It's vaudeville. It's like, I yeah. mean, you said at the beginning, but it really is just this like. Da, 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 yeah, and like, next. <laughs> yeah. How many jokes can you squeeze into a moment? Like mm-hmm. there's a bit that I think is so funny and I'll probably have to pull the audio and edit it into here so that people get what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. But it's, you know, there's Statler and Waldorf. It's when they heckle Milton Berle. Have you ever seen this? I don't scene? think I've seen that. No. Okay. So Milton Berle goes out there and Statler and Waldorf start heckling him. And they absolutely just like every single sentence is perfect. Hey, Burl. What? You know what? I've what? just figured out your style. 
Really? You work like Gregory Peck. I was... <laughs> Gregory Peck's not a comedian. Well? <laughs> now, just a minute, please. I have been a successful comedian half of my life. How come we got this half? <laughs> Look, did you come in here to be entertained or not? That's right. What's right? We came in here to be entertained, and we're not. <laughs> like, it's just like... That might be bit, the best. Bit, yeah. bit, bit. Like, <laughs> set up, punchline, set up, punchline, set up, punchline. And this, they're, <laughs> they're so good. At, obviously, that's like their shtick. But to have it condensed like that, where they just do like throw out multiple... <laughs> rounds <laughs> the way that it just worked and i don't want to say that there's no heart in the muppet show because there there's a ton of it mm-hmm. in like moments you mm-hmm. know what i mean like i think of like harry belafonte performing turn the world around that's on my list actually not that one but his episode is on one of my yeah. favorites or like i genuinely think one of the most beautiful performances that ever happened on that show was danny Kay singing inchworm backstage with all of the Muppets doing the like, yes. two by two is for them all singing that in like a round backstage while he sings Inchworm. And like, just like those moments mm-hmm. where it's just so beautiful and it's so pretty. And Julie it's Andrews so- singing to Kermit the tadpoles yes. when you were, ta- oh my God. I was like, why is this like the most beautiful, intimate, like. There's some really, truly wonderful moments. Mm-hmm. And then. Even like there, there are big moments with the guest stars. There was something you said earlier. You could tell who, what someone is like or their personality based on their favorite Muppet. And so I have to ask, who is your favorite Muppet? So I kind of cheat with that answer because it's, it's actually a tie between two characters. Yeah. That's how I feel about the Muppets. Can't pick one, but. I'm a blend of Kermit and, and Gonzo for me. It bounces between the two of them. Mm -hmm. Um, pretty consistently. And then, you know, obviously I got to write the article so I can justify my reasoning there. So my my justification for Gonzo is for Gonzo. I said that the great Gonzo, much like Fozzie Bear, is a performer who typically fails more than he succeeds. Gonzo is the definition of the misunderstood artist. While none of us will understand the art of eating a tire per se, every artist out there understands Gonzo. Fozzie Bear wants to reach the masses and be understood, while Gonzo just needs to get his art out of him and be understood. Gonzo is the hipster, the real hipster, not the one that's developed such a social backlash over the past years. Your favorite Muppet is Gonzo. You're probably an artist in the truest sense of the word. You must likely adore avant-garde and you will be taken seriously for what you do, regardless of how outrageous it may seem. So like, that's how I feel about people who love Gonzo. And I feel like I do find myself in that element of Gonzo where he's super misunderstood as, as a character. And then for Kermit, you know, I wrote the most recognized character of the Muppets, Kermit to Frog, the host of the Muppet show and the leader of the whole crazy gang. Kermit represents the most sane person in an otherwise insane world. He's never completely sane, but he's still got it together enough to manage the group. People who love Kermit are typically the event planners of the world. They're the writers, they're the directors, and they tend to be the glue that holds a group of friends together. I kind of see both sides of that personality of mine. I, I do see both sides of, of them in you. Yes. Yeah, like... There's that part of me that wants to keep creating and creating and creating, but then there's also just as much like the person who'd rather be behind the scenes and like finding the right people to make something happen more mm-hmm. than being the person in the spotlight a lot of the time, which people might not believe because I'm on the mic on every podcast that I produce. But <laughs> no, hey, but so is Kermit. He's yeah. he's always there. Yeah. 
with them. How about you? What's your, who would you say are your favorites? Um, see, it's like a difference between who my favorites are and who I think I'm like. So I, we did have this conversation. I do believe I'm most like Gonzo. Okay. I think that's fair. Yeah. And the audience might not know this, but I moved back to California to pursue a career as a stunt woman. So (laughs) that's just one thing Gonzo and I have in common, but, um, and we're just weird. You know, but this is where it's like asking to pick your favorite movie. It's like, well, I can't. And what's like you said earlier, what's my mood? And I do love Rizzo too. Cause it's just, it's like the Rizzo Gonzo. They kind of got put together. It, it a was point. a perfect combination though. It's perfect. like a peanut butter and jelly combination. It is. And sure. I just love, and I love Rizzo's just side. They're both so shameless and they come in with like the funniest punchlines without actually trying to have a punchline. Yeah. Like Rizzo, they're just being genuinely them, and it's the it's just great. And so I really love them, but I really do enjoy a Miss Piggy. Like, I will yeah. teach you. Like, I adore her, and I adore her wardrobe. I think that Piggy is really interesting because, like, if you watch the first couple episodes of the Muppet Show, Piggy is very different, and mm-hmm. Piggy's one of those Muppets where a bunch of different people puppeteered her for a while. Until it got onto Frank Oz's hand and he was like, oh, no, this is <laughs> I know intimately who this character is, now. which I love. I love that just by different people puppeteering them, it, they become a different character. It's just shows. I mean, there is such an art to puppeteering, but it it's very underrated. Yeah, for sure. Do you have any you, you had mentioned that you had written down Harry Belafonte? I, I, oh, I'm my, curious. yes. Do you have favorite Muppet show episodes and moments? I have so many, so I'd yes, rather you go first. I absolutely do. So Harry Belafonte, I found this, I want to say it was like back when downloading on the internet like first came. It was like I had Napster and somehow we got the video. YouTube didn't exist, but Harry Belafonte singing Deo with yes. the Muppets is one of the funniest things. And to just me. keeps explaining to them. Oh like, my God. The and Fozzie just, wow, that was beautiful. And he just won't let him finish the song because he keeps interrupting. And, you know, he just has this most beautiful. And my sister and I quote it all the time. There's a point when he's hiding dead tarantula or uh, the tarantula one of them up. It's because I know I do not work with the deadly tarantula. And they just keep like, <laughs> and so like anytime my sister and I don't like something, we always will be like, no, I do not work with the deadly tarantula. Like that's something we say <laughs> weekly because of that. It is, and then at the end, doing the sing along, we deo, they deo, and he's misa de, misa de, misa. How many was that? I think seven. We said de, and he's sing. It's just Muppet perfectness. But that's but and so oh. here's the thing. So you're talking about that, and like so one of the things I wrote down. There's a few musicians that I discovered through the Muppet Show. Mm. They were obviously famous musicians, but they they just had like missed. I, they hadn't ended up on my radar until I was rewatching the Muppet Show. Okay. Um. So like Paul Williams, now like one of my absolute favorite songwriters. Mm-hmm. But Leo Sayer. So Leo Leo Sayer's episode of the Muppet Show might actually be my absolute favorite episode of the show. But he does the song "The Show Must Go On," oh, um, which song. yeah, I love his version. I think it's better than the cover that's more famous by Three Dog Night. But for his version, they do this weird split screen of him singing this song, which is such a painful, like, you know, like, I won't let the show go on. But then there's a scatting part in the middle of that song. And while the scat part happens, another Leo Sayer comes out in clown makeup and is doing like juggling and tap dancing and like all of this. Like, it's such an interesting visual 
performance. Mm -hmm. And like, that's the stuff where it's like, I look at stuff like that. And like I mentioned, Inchworm, one of the segments that absolutely makes me cry every time I watch it, it's just a random Muppet. It's, it's a who's it Muppet, I believe they call them mm -hmm. doing time in a bottle by Jim Croce. Okay. And it's this old Muppet singing time in a bottle and he's in a chemistry lab and he mixes this potion and he drinks it and he's a little bit younger. And then he drinks it again as the song goes and he's a little bit younger and he keeps getting younger and younger and younger until the next time he drinks it, he goes back to being his old self as the song ends. And it's like just such like a, it's just beautiful. Like it's this beautiful song that captures so, like the song Time in a Bottle itself is a gorgeous song. Yes. And then having it represented in this beautiful, like looking, looking back through time. And I, and I feel like the more I learn about Jim Henson, who is probably him with, with Mr. Rogers are the two biggest influences on my life as a person. Mm -hmm. But like one of the best songs in Sesame Street history to me is a song that Ernie sings called I Don't Want to Live on the Moon. Mm -hmm. And the concept of that song is, you know, he says, I'd like to visit the moon because I'll dance on a moonbeam and then blah, blah, blah. But the end result of every place that he wants to visit is like, it's a nice place to visit, but it's not where I want to be. I think Jim Henson was so into the idea of the present. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, yeah. Like, where are you now? Like, yeah. what What are you trying to achieve? What are you trying to be? And through support of his community. Like yeah. Through which there's like this little Muppet family. Well, quite big now, but they it was in the present, but it's also about like who's around you and who's there to support you and have your back and, and team and family. And and I think that you find that that's missing without Jim. You know, like you talk yeah. about like how Jim was Kermit. Like he was the glue that held this band of weird people together. And then, you know, he dies. And then shortly later, Richard Hunt dies. And then we just recently lost Jerry Nelson. And I think we're really just down to Frank Oz yeah. and and Dave Goals as like the OG five Muppeteers. And there was something about the, the pathos of Jim Henson mixed mm -hmm. with his love of that old comedy. And I think what's been hurting the Muppets for so long is... You know, I'll watch anything, but it's like, stop, stop trying to make the Muppets 2021 hip. Like the Muppets should be a relic of the 30s like they were in the 70s. Yeah, like. yeah. And I totally get what you're saying and, and agree. But I think, too, it was hard because when they came out with the when Disney bought them and then they had the Muppet movie, they're trying to bring it to a new generation. And it's rough to take something old and bring it to a new generation. It's, we're a yeah. tough crowd these days, tough crowd. And I blame the TikTok and the Instagram, but... For sure. But I think that that first movie was so successful and it stuck to what the Muppets were. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I did, like, yeah. To its core, that movie is still a very vaudeville Muppets movie. That's true. I did. I really <laughs> liked Muppets Most Wanted. I like Muppets Most Wanted, but <laughs> I, I, I already... I remember seeing it and already feeling like... Oh, they're misstepping already because like, I love Muppets Christmas Carol. I adore oh, yeah. Muppets Christmas Carol, but Muppets Christmas Carol started the trend that I hate it with the Muppets, which was like, you don't need a bunch of celebrity cameos. Mm. You just need one big star mm -hmm. to kind of ride the film. And what I loved about Jason Siegel's Muppets was that it went back to what made like Muppets take Manhattan great Muppet caper and the Muppet movie so great was that 
the focus and the star of the show was the Muppets. Yeah, they didn't need to leech. Yeah, you had these little cameos and and mm-hmm. like an actor would pop up for one scene with the Muppets and then they were out of the picture. Mm-hmm. And like while Jason Siegel's there for the ride in in the Muppet 2010, uh, 2011 movie, you mostly had like all of these random Jack Black popping up and like Sarah Silverman playing a waitress and like mm-hmm. these little bit parts. And then you get to Muppets Most Wanted and it is very much like the Tina Fey show with Muppets again. Maybe that's why I love her because I, <laughs> I love Tina Fey. So I was like, this is great. And that's the thing. I like the movie, but I was like, oh no, they've, they're already backtracking into like what the vibe of a post Jim Henson Muppet movie is. Mm-hmm. And then ever since then, they haven't been able to find their footing again. I feel like once you take away what is like, I consider the essence of the Muppets. I've said this a million times. If you want to revive the Muppets, here's what Disney Plus needs to do. Okay, let's contact them. Yeah. Literally just say, hey, we're producing season six of the Muppet Show. And literally just pick it up where the Muppet Show left off as if no time has passed. Just like more up-to-date stars but it's just like the same old Muppets in their same old little theater, just putting on a show. I'm writing a letter. Yeah. I just, I've, I think that that's what we've needed to do for a really long time. Yeah, I agree. Cause you know, surprisingly it had a decent run. I was surprised it didn't go longer. Do you know why, um, why did it end the Muppet show? I realize now that like, I'm already kind of living a little bit of the Jim Henson life just without the success. Um, but Jim <laughs> Henson, coming. Jim Jim Henson was definitely one of those people who was juggling like 40 different projects, mm-hmm. right? So he was doing The Muppet Show. He was doing Sesame Street. Mm-hmm. He was trying to make movies. He was working on Fraggle Rock. He was building puppets for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like, you know, like he's doing all of these different things. And I think it just came to this point where they shot everything in England and his family lived in the States. And okay, it was like, I want to be a filmmaker. Like, I did what I came here to prove. Like, because the whole point, we didn't even get into that, but like the origin of the Muppet Show was that Jim Henson was really sick of being looked at as a child's entertainer through Sesame Street. And he mm-hmm. wanted to prove that Muppets could be used to be entertaining to all ages, not just pre K kids. Yeah, because this was more like a very family driven. And it was like prime time. It was kind of mm-hmm. like the the puppet version of what you know the Flintstones was. It was a it was a prime time show for the family. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a Saturday morning show for the kids. Mm-hmm. So like I think after five seasons, he did what he he came to do because no one wanted it. If you ever get a chance, watch the original pitch that he did for this. It was called The Muppets Present Sex and Violence, and it's literally a Muppet pitch man for three minutes. These two giants of the industry have fused their creative juices into one great explosion of brilliant television programming. And what is this fusion of creative juices called? The Muppet Show. A show that will be loved and adored by every Nielsen home in the country. Small children will love the cute, cuddly characters. Young people will love the fresh and innovative comedy. College kids and intellectual eggheads love the underlying symbolism of everything. Freaky, long-haired, dirty, cynical hippies will love our freaky, long-haired, dirty, cynical Muppets because that is what show business is all about. Yes, and when this show hits, the careers of the men who made the decision to put this show on the air will skyrocket. People like Bob Wood, Lee Curlin, Perry Lafferty, Oscar Katz, and even Tom Swafford will become stars in their own right. 
The names of these men will become household words like stove, sink, toilet, no, 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 like patriotism, apple pie, and mother. Friends, the United States of America needs the Muppet Show, and you should buy this show. Now, we're not pulling any punches here. I mean, there's nothing subtle about this bitch. So buy the show and put it on the air, and we'll all be famous. The Muppets will be famous, and CBS will be famous because we'll have a hit show on our hands, and we'll all get temperamental and hard to work with, but you won't care because we'll all make a lot of money, and Slaughter and Henson will be happy, and you will be happy, and Kermit's mother will be happy. And God will look down on us and smile on us, and he will say, let them have a 40 share. <laughs> I have to see this because that is a brilliant pitch idea. It's so fucking funny, and no one was interested. Everyone was like, nah, we're going to pass on this. The Muppets are kids stuff. Idiots. Except for this one guy in England who was like, I would like to see this. If you look at the guests that they got on the first season, no one had faith in this show. Mm-hmm. It's a collection of either people who are past their prime or friends of the show mm-hmm. or people who would never be booked on anything else. It's like there was a episode with mimes. Like they just brought in like <laughs> Ethel Merman was on there, like well past like it was a lot of Broadway people. Yeah. Joel I- Gray was on Lena Horn. These are just some of the ones that I pulled as like favorites of mine. Connie Stevens, Harvey Corman. Like they had these people. But it was like, there's like an episode where it's just like a ballerina is their guest. Like Mm -hmm. they weren't able to get the big names. But I love that, that they just were like, okay, who can we get? And they're like, let's have mimes and ballerinas on. And we'll, that shows a lot to me that they didn't need the big names to get going. Like they, the Muppets, kind of like what you said, you don't need a celebrity. Like the Muppets are the celebrity. But then people caught on. People yeah. caught on in a big <laughs> way. Season two, you start getting Madeline Kahn. You start getting Steve Martin. You start mm-hmm. getting like Alice Cooper and Danny Kaye and Which all Steve of these. Steve Martin is a fun, Did I'm sure you, cause you know way more, but do you know that they obviously use laugh tracks for the entire show, but he is the only episode that they do not use laugh tracks because the cast backstage was actually laughing so hard you can hear them and they just used that. Well, so there's two reasons for that, too, because that his episode is particularly weird as well. So I'm not sure if you've seen the episode, but the the premise of the Steve Martin episode is that they're not doing an episode of The Muppet Show. They're holding auditions for new characters on The Muppet Show, but they forgot to cancel Steve Martin. So he's just hanging out backstage. (laughs) So so it also made sense to just keep their laughter in there because it's supposed to be an empty theater of just the Muppets sitting in the audience watching him do his bit anyway when he. Uh goes to audition the only other time and they still use the can laughter but in the first season anytime that the Swedish chef is on screen Mm -hmm. if you listen you can hear real laughter intermixed with the can (laughs) laughter because the way that the Swedish chef puppet worked was that Jim Henson would control the head and do all the talking and then Frank Oz's actual hands are through the sleeves and Frank Oz couldn't see what he was doing. And that's (laughs) like what made the Swedish chef so funny. So they're all watching just like, all right, let's see where this goes. So like Jim Henson's just yelling about non, like just yelling gibberish while Frank Oz is just (laughs) grabbing at things that he can't see. (laughs) That's amazing. And that's why, I mean, but that's like completely defined that character of him just having these out of control. Flailing around. It took me so long to realize they were human hands. Like as a kid that like didn't even click in my head. And then I watched as an adult. I'm like, Oh damn, those are actual human hands. coming out of the sleeves. That is, it's 
too much. Okay. So of, you know, they, obviously it's kind of a variety show sketch show um, format and it changes episode to episode, but they did have some core reoccurring sketches that you would see if not every episode, most episodes. So can you just briefly mention those and which one is your favorite reoccurring bit? Yeah. So the most famous one is obviously the pigs in space. I feel like that's the one that that everyone thinks of. Pigs in space has one particular bit that is absolutely hysterical to me, but it's not my favorite segment. Um, And it was right as Star Wars was starting to blow up. And they Mm -hmm. did a segment where... I'm pretty sure it was when Mark Hamill was on the show where it was maybe the whole there did somewhere was the whole cast of Star Wars. I can't remember which one it was, but the pigs in space ship is getting taken over by the Death Star and the doors open and they're like, oh, no, it's Darth Vader. Who could be behind that mask? And you see the Darth Vader mask walking in and then it turns to the side. It has a giant hook nose (laughs) (laughs) and it's like. The timing of the reveal is so fucking brilliant mm-hmm. and so funny. But there was a segment. I forget what the segment was specifically called, but it was just houses doing house puns. Uh-huh. There was Wayne and Wanda, which was like these two awful singers that could never get through more than 20 seconds of a song without something terrible happening. But my personal favorite segment was called At The Dance. Oh, yes. I love it. Yeah. It would be a bunch of different Muppets dancing. And it was just similar to that Milton Barrel thing that we were talking about earlier. Just like cut to two Muppets, set up punchline. Cut to two Muppets, set up punchline. Like it is so quick and funny. And then like you have like Fozzie Bear does his thing. Gonzo mm-hmm. does his stunts. Like mm-hmm. those things come into play too. But I feel like those are the main like in the show moments. And also um, Animal Hospital. Oh, uh, Veterinarian's Veterinarian, Hospital. Veterinarian's yeah, Veterinarian Hospital. That one is also really good because that is just set up pun, set up pun, set up pun. Which another thing, if um, since this is new and y'all are getting to know me, I could not love puns more. Like if you have a dad joke, I am your demographic audience. So send them my way. Cause I eat that shit for breakfast. Yeah. And then regurgitate it on your Instagram. Yes. Also follow me. Cause I, you'll get a handful of just the worst puns. <laughs> AKA the best. Veterinarians hospital has some mm-hmm. really, I, I mean, Rolf is a character that I think is a really interesting and funny character as well. Cause he's both an extremely talented musician Mm-hmm. and very funny he gives zero fucks there's so many yeah. episodes where they're like miss piggy's gonna be pissed and he's just like whatever fuck it like you yeah. know what i mean like he's like <laughs> like he just has no care in the world which i i kind of love but like he'll also sing songs that are heartbreaking yeah um, yeah he's got that kind of deep-seated jazz pianist and a dark smoky club kind of vibe but i think it's the first or second episode he sings he does a song and i've watched this segment so many times. But have you ever seen the segment You and I and George? No. Okay. So he starts playing playing the piano and he's like, At this time, I would like to present my rendition of one of the great songs of our time. That ever popular classic, You and I and George. But why, you ask? As well you should. Have I never heard this great song of our times? The fact is, nobody has ever heard of this ever-popular classic. In its only recording, you and I and George sold two copies. I bought one, and George bought one. Where were you? (laughs) 
turns down her hearing aid when I sing this song. <laughs> you and I and George went strolling through the park one day and then you held my hand as if to say I love you <laughs> then we passed a brook and George fell in and drowned himself and <laughs> it's like waving a bunch of out to sea leaving you alone with me and I love that they can like get away with that too because they're the Muppet A because of the Muppets but because literally they're puppets and I feel like you can like cross so many weird lines so many weird lines because you're just like well I didn't say it like (laughs) which is it's great you can like touch on I feel like they did such a good job at touching on so many topics without ever really touching on them if you know what I mean you know no it's it's very much the Muppets make me think of I was never a big Star Trek fan right mm -hmm. but like you talk about like the first interracial kiss Yes. Happening on Star Trek. I think the Muppet show is really smart in the way that it would give them a stage for Harry Belafonte to do a song like Turn the World Around that's Mm -hmm. like pulled from so much African culture. And it's about like finding the commonality. These are the Muppets that gave us It's Not Easy Being Green, which is literally a song about racism. Yeah, I was going to say it's they almost as a a side note. I know everyone knows I already said I love Harry Harry Belafonte, but I just want to reconfirm how much I love that man and his I can go into his deep tracks. Such a good I put him on all the time. So Zombie Jamboree is one of my favorites. And Coconut Woman. Those are like my two favorite songs that are not his popular ones. Back to the, the Muppets uh, tackling race issues without, you know, like it's not easy being green is, is a clear one. But even them as a clan together in a, a family, it was a great way of identifying that it's, we can all be different, look different, be different colors. I mean, they literally are blue, green, pink purple, you know, and you have different animals. It's very, you know, metaphoric, and but it's, it really was powerful, you know, seeing everybody of a different literal size, shape and color, and they were all equals within each other. It was just more, if you're an idiot, then you're like, don't be an idiot. Like, you know, but it, it wasn't, it was really, it's a really cool thing to see. If you look back at it through those eyes, it's very powerful. Yeah. When I'm thinking about the important moments to me from The Muppet Show, they fall into two categories, essentially, because mm-hmm. there's the the songs that like grab you and, and you just feel something. I sent you Milton Berle singing The Entertainer and how like amazing for some reason, it's just so emotional mm-hmm. watching it. Mm-hmm. But then like Dom DeLuise was on there singing We Got Us. They have such this vibe of like you said, they're a family, they're a family, they're a family, they're a family. You find these people that are like minded that mm-hmm. just want to make people smile mm-hmm. and laugh and don't have like a mean spirited bone in their body. And just there's so many I I could talk for days and days and days about why the Muppets are so important to me. Yeah, and at the end of the day, it is just about bringing laughter and joy to the world. For and sure, that's even my <laughs> ma- mantra of life and purpose. 
there's a there's a clip of Kermit yelling at Miss Piggy where he just gets like at the point his breaking point and it's so funny because it's so like not Kermit. Yeah, I love have, it like, when he breaks and like, like loses it. It was a cover story about us being secretly married. That's a bald faced lie, Piggy. I will not stand around while you do dumb things like that, Piggy. You have done that to me too many times, Piggy. I will not stand for it. I will not stand for it. I'll tell you what I'm going to do, Piggy. I'm going to fire you. Piggy, you are fired. You are fired, Piggy. You are fired. Fired. Like, I just I love when he works himself up. <laughs> oh, my God. He's and, and it's again, it's that stuff where you got the Muppets. You, it's like you lose someone like Jim Henson. You lose someone like Mr. Rogers and mm-hmm. you lose someone like Bob Ross. Like you lose these people where it's like they just feel like great human beings. Yeah. And, and I and I feel that when I watch the Muppets, I watch the Muppets and I'm like, I mean, there's that part of you that wants to just like ho- grab a puppet and just join them while you're watching but like every time i watch the muppets my takeaway time and time again is like that's the world i want to build for myself like i want to i want to surround myself with people that have great hearts that are really creative that are really driven to like make people smile that are legitimately funny and that we are stronger together than we are apart Oh, it was beautiful. Yeah. That, well, so I feel. Yeah. I mean, I I want to make a podcast network filled with the people that I want to spend time with, and you know, like even you, you're you're very quickly becoming one of my closest friends, mm-hmm. and it's like that's dope because you're you're all of those things. You know what I mean? So oh, like, thanks, so yeah. like having having like another person in my life that's like creative, smart, driven, talented, funny. Like it's only benefits me. <laughs> No, I I completely agree and and right back at you. And that's why I feel like our friendship developed so quickly is because we both want to be surrounded by people like that. And it's yeah. And I think that comes from the Muppet show. You you watch a show where these characters all clearly love each other. And if you're sitting in a friendship where you're like, why does I don't feel that with my friends, then Mm -hmm. it's like, it might be time to find new friends. Mm hmm. (laughs) the Muppets taught me how to dump friends. No. <laughs> yes. That's, that's the takeaway. But yeah, I mean, that's, unless you had any other questions written, I, I, that's my, that's my 45 minute monologue on the Muppets. You know, you kind of answered my questions within talking and it's great. I, this is a topic. I do feel like we could just go on and on and on and on about. There's so um, many segments we could do specific. I, I feel like this is not going to be the last time you hear us talk about the Muppets. No. We're definitely going to tackle the movie. I feel like we could even start tackling individual episodes at one point and just be yeah. like, let's just like watch this Leo Sayer episode and like really get into it. Like, yeah. Cause I was dying this morning. I watched Peter Sellers, one of my favorite bits or sketches that I watched. I was just laughing my ass off was when Peter Sellers is giving like a sports massage. Yes. I was in Yeah. And he like moves his leg. Like, and it's because I've gotten so many sports physio treatments with, with my past career that I just, it's like exactly like that. And I was just like in stitches watching it. There's so many, there's just too many bits to cover. It's you can tell that they let the guests go wild. Yes. And I think that that's really fun. I love that. And I, I really love that it's a, a th- one of two things with the guests. It's like a place that you could finally see whether you think someone's a more serious actor or someone like Alice Cooper, who you only know them as these like extreme people. It's a place where they let loose and you could see them actually let loose and have fun. But it's you also saw like a softer side and a, a someone that you might not know is like 
extremely funny or has kind of that comedy side. Like even Mark Hamill watching his episode, obviously now we know that he's deeply involved with cartoons and comedy and, you know, robot chicken and whatnot. But I, I almost was like, this is kind of the first time you would be seeing it in his career because all the public knew him as at that point is Luke. Yeah. And, and he kind of gives it and you're like, he's hilarious, which of course now we know like naturally that is him. Yeah. Um, but you really got to see the, the funny side of people and the, the loose side if, if someone, you know, and, and get to know them in your living room. Yeah, no, for sure. And yeah, I mean, like you said, you see this other side of him with Alice Cooper. You brought up Alice Cooper. He has like mm-hmm. this beautiful ballad that was like one of his highest charting hits, but no one really thinks about it because when mm-hmm. they think of Alice Cooper, it's like, welcome to my nightmare. No more Mr. Nice Guy. But like you and me is an absolutely gorgeous love song. Mm-hmm. And like he does, a, he sings it on the Muppet show. And it's like, yeah. why would he choose that song if not for it being a song that was really special to him? I can't yeah. imagine they and went to, show to him. show that soft side. Yeah, like I can't imagine they went to him and said, well, Alice, we need you to do you and me. Exactly. Yeah, no, I'm sure they were like, give it. And actually, Alice Cooper's quite a sensitive. He's a cool, I used to listen to him when I lived in Vegas. Um, I think it was like Sunday nights, he emceed one of the rock stations I listened to. And so every time I would drive home Sunday night from work, I'm like, oh, Alice Cooper's on. And he was like such a cool host and really knowledgeable and like down to earth and has a lot behind him. He's on like the list of people I would love to just sit and talk with because I feel like he would be an absolute interesting person to talk to. Alice, if you're listening. Yeah. We'd like to go for coffee. (laughs) I'll be in contact with his agent. Yeah. I think that's a good plan. So, Gelsey, let me ask you a quick question. Do you have a favorite musical performance on The Muppets? Off the top of my head, the one that sticks out the most, and I I just love it so much because I think it's just the epitome of taking something and making it... Oh, no, there's two. Okay. Um, Crocodile Rock is the one that sticks out to me. Yeah. I just can remember seeing it for the first time and just the Muppet crocodiles coming out singing that la 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 it's just brilliant i was like this is the best thing i've ever seen it's exactly what you expect and what you need in your life and i it makes me so happy so that might be and then i do believe i said this on the episode but deo i love that one so much yeah well at this time we now have not just your instagram (laughs) but a show instagram so why don't you let people know where they can follow the show yes please follow the show at before my time underscore podcast because before my time was already taken and i will find them and i will cut them no i'm just kidding i i'm peace everybody love it's fine yeah before my time underscore podcast (laughs) say hi (laughs) there's also a facebook page now for before my time and that is actually it's a group not a page and the reason for that is we want you to be in control of the content on the facebook group so come and share all of your favorite weird vintagey shit that you find on the internet because we want to see it. I want to see people posting like 1950s TV commercials on there, all that good stuff. Hell yeah. Yes. Yes. Your furniture, your hats, your favorite movies, all of it. If you have 
any ideas for the show or just some thoughts, I will eventually get us an official show email address. But in the meantime, contact me at matt at geekscape.net and I'll be sure to send those emails right over to Gelsey so she knows how much you love the show and her and things from before your time. Yay! Gonna just Kermit yay the rest of my life. Network. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.